Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Today, we begin a brand new series that we're simply calling Homewreckers. Homewreckers. And during this series, we're going to be attempting to identify the things that threaten to bring what I call a wrecking ball to our families and our uh, family structures today. There's several of them. And so I'm going to ask that you make a, make a plan to be here for the next few weeks because we're going to be covering some of the ones that I believe the Lord has highlighted to me. But oftentimes, when we think of modern families, like the ones we just saw, we think of the word dysfunction. In fact, I, I came across a couple of Jeff Foxworthy quotes. You know who that is? That's, that's, the, uh, that's the, you might be a redneck guy. You, you ever heard of him? He said, you might, you, he said my wife is, a, is so analytic with raising kids, and I am not. My feeling is that if they turn out good, then that means I was a good daddy and put a lot of effort into it. If they turn out bad, it means they took after her side of the family. I guess that's one way of looking at it. He also said, by the time I get to church, I need church because I've been yelled at by everyone in the family. Don't don't raise your hands if that's true of you. But all, all jokes aside, the truth of the matter is, in my humble opinion, families are in trouble today. Families are in trouble today. But, but the idea of family in and of itself, it's a good idea because it's a, it was God's idea. And God's ideas are good ideas. Amen? But what I believe that puts the dis in dysfunctional are individuals in family units who have knowingly or unknowingly become ignorant of God's ideas. And in many cases, they, they can't or they, no, that's how they can't. They won't take the effort to get to know his ways because they're too busy doing things their own way, which for many families is not working for them. The prophet Hosea said it like this. He said in Hosea 4, 6, he says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. And it's all your fault. And where does he put the blame? He says, he puts the blame on the priests. For you yourselves refuse to know me. Now I refuse to recognize you as my priest, since you have forgotten the laws of your God, and I will forget to bless your children. So what was he saying? He's saying, listen, the reason why my people don't know me, he says, because the pulpits have gone quiet. They're too busy trying to please the, uh, the, the, the group of people who are coming rather than telling them what God says. And so he puts the blame on the priest. It's your fault, you priests, for you yourselves refuse to know me. And then he tells them what's going to happen. Now I refuse to recognize you, and since you've forgotten my laws, I will forget to bless your children. Folks, this is serious. Because not only is, is the onus on the spiritual leadership uh, as far as the the the, uh, the church is concerned, and I have a responsibility to preach the truth, but the Bible makes it clear that there are spiritual leaders in the home. And who are they? It's your parents. And specifically, you dads. In fact, the scripture will call you the priests of your homes. 
Now, we're supposed to be leading and guiding our families in this area, not being dragged along by your wives or, or someone else or your mothers or your grandmothers to come before the Lord or to learn about the things of the Lord. And, and as men, if we or when we abdicate our position as leaders and priests in our homes, it's like taking, it's like taking a spiritual wrecking ball to our families and our future blessings. And in just one generation, someone say one generation, there will be almost a complete generation who's ignorant of the things of the Lord because it's not taught in our homes and it's not prioritized in our homes. So the first threat, in my opinion, facing our families today is a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. And a lack of knowledge in three areas. A lack of knowledge, I want you to write this down, about our God, who he is, what he does, what he expects. Hosea went on to say in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has filed a lawsuit against you, saying there's no faithfulness, no kindness, and no knowledge of God in your land. You curse and lie and kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere with one murder after another. That is why your land is not producing. It is filled with sadness and all living things are becoming sick and dying. He says even the animals and birds and fish have begun to disappear. Because Israel at the time refused refuse to retain the knowledge of God in the land, well, nature abhors a vacuum, meaning something's going to fill it. You are going to fill your life with the things of God or something else is going to fill your life. What's filling your life? And in their case, it was sin that filled the void, cursing and lying and sexual immorality and stealing and, yes, even murder. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar, what's going on? You turn on the news? I heard uh, the, the, head of, um, the head of the pro-life movement, he says, the number one killer in our country is not what everyone else is saying. The number one killer is abortion in this country. That's the number one killer of people in this country. And, and the blood of the innocent is all over this place. But it sounds a lot like what's going on today. Now, is there any wonder that since they kicked God out of school, and kick prayer out of school, what do they have to replace it with? Metal detectors, anti-bullying campaigns, sex ed classes which teach quote-unquote safe sex techniques. They hand out a bunch of prophylactics and the number to Planned Parenthood. That's their solution to removing God from our children. And now who can blame the schools when the parents themselves have abdicated their responsibilities to teach and the pulpits today are more concerned about entertainment and not offending the people because they don't want people to leave because when the people leave, the, 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 the finest is going to leave, so we're just going to have an entertainment church. And rather than telling people what the Word of God says, they tell them things that tickle their ear. And consequently, they don't know what the Word says and their children don't know what the word says. Pastor Francis recently preached a message 
out of Psalms revealing what the judgment of God was to a people who refused to listen. Listen, listen real close. Because he identified what the judgment of God was to a people who refused to listen. Psalms 81 verse 10. He says, for it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, speaking to the Israelites. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their, listen, their own ideas. And so the judgment of the Lord simply was, listen, if you reject the word of the Lord, sometimes you reject God long enough and you want to do your own thing. You know what God says? Okay. You can now follow the dictates of your own foolish hearts and the ideas of the people around you. Is there any wonder we got so much foolishness going on in the world today? They've embraced every stupid, foolish idea as truth. And folks, that is not a blessing. That is a curse. That is the judgment of God. That's a world in which everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Like they did in the day of Judges. If you ever want to give yourself a treat, one day read Judges chapters 17 through 21. But I'm going to summarize it. It starts out by saying in, in, in verse 6 of chapter 17, it says, In those days Israel had no king, so the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then, so you travel through 17, 18, 19, 20, verse 21, and then the last verse, it says in uh, chapter 25, I mean, verse 21, chapter 21, verse 25, it says, In those days Israel had no king, so the people did whatever seemed right in those eyes, in their eyes, in their own eyes. And in between chapter 17 and 21, verse 25, listen to me, things got absolutely ridiculous among the people so-called of God. Idolatry came in the land. There was kidnappings and rapes and homosexuality and murder, and, 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 and it accumulated in a civil war in which thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people ended up losing their lives in the absence of a king. And due to their lack of knowledge, chaos ensued in the land. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. When you get to know God, you will start to understand what he wants for your life. Psalms 111.10 says, Reverence for the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. The rewards of wisdom come to all who do what? All who do what? The rewards of wisdom come to who? All who obey him. Now, here's the truth. If we knew him, we'd love him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. But in order to do what he says, you have to know what he says. You have to elevate that as important in your life. Because in the absence of knowing who he is and what he says, we tend as a people to make things up. Now Paul encountered that on his missionary journeys 2,000 years ago. Acts chapter 17 verse 22. God called him to this area. He says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, 
that was the leaders of the time, and, and he said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I'm going to proclaim to you. Understand what was going on. As Paul was preaching the gospel and called to different areas, he came to this area in Athens where he saw nothing but idols everywhere. They were truly a religious people. They had, they had Zeus and they had Thor and they had all these, these gods and they were so religious that they were concerned that they might forget one so they created an idol to an unknown god. And they worshiped that too. They, they wanted to touch on all their bases. And Paul said, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. That's when he began to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the ignorance of God, they were just making things up. Does that happen today? Sure it does. I've been on missionary trips to India. The same thing is going on. They have shrines and idols for everything you can imagine. They've got thousands and thousands of gods because in their ignorance, they're trying to worship whatever they think is out there. Now, you don't have to go all the way to, to India to see it going on. Listen to me. It's right here in our backyard. Because we have an ignorance of God, and because there's an ignorance of God, the, the consequences are, are, are plain to be seen by everybody. Ignorance of God is why we have a 50% divorce rate in this country. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with the institution of marriage? The Bible says ma the marriage bed is blessed, it's to be undefiled, and that's between one man and one woman in a lifetime commitment. But, but we have this uh, an ignorance of what true love looks like, and we think, it's, we, we think that love is, is strictly about me and myself and getting my needs met. And you've heard people say, I just don't love you anymore. And they fall, out of, they fall out of love. Well, the Bible identifies what true love looks like, what biblical love looks like. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's considered the love chapter because God thought this was way too important for us to leave to our own imagination. So he, he had them pen it in the scriptures. This is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of when it has been wrong. What? What? You mean love is not rude? or demanding, or irritable, uh-oh, what's he talking about? Some of us are in trouble. It keeps no record of wrongs. Tell the truth, for some of us, we don't, we don't just get hysterical in arguments, we get historical. You remember everything that took place from 2003 on forward. You remember the time when, when I asked you how I looked and you told me I looked fat in my pants? You, 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 you catalog every perceived negative thing that ever happened in your, in your relationship and then you turn around and, and tell them, well, I love you. Well, not biblically you don't. Maybe your version of love, but that's not what the word of God says love looks like. Love, the Bible says, keeps no records of wrongs. And even if you don't bring it up, 
you harbor it in your heart. And then you wonder why a wrecking ball is going through your marriage. Because you have embraced the world's definition and you're ignorant of what the word says. It's getting quiet in here. Folks, the more you know God, the more you love him and you'll be obedient to him. And the truth is, if you don't know God, you won't know what's good. Because the Bible says God is good. Amen? Now, if you go to anyone on the street with children and you ask, what do you want for your kids or, or your family? The answer is almost universal. I want to raise good kids. I want to have a good marriage. I, I, I'm t- I, and I'm telling you, without the, without the knowledge of God, that's close to impossible to, to achieve. In fact, the Bible says that when we, when we don't know God, we become like fools. J- Jesus said it's the blind literally leading the blind. Jeremiah 4.22, my people are, are foolish and do not know me, says the Lord. They are senseless children who have no understanding. They are clever enough at doing wrong, but they have no talent at all for doing right. Jesus said he, he came to reveal who the Father is and, and what he's like. And, and when he was asked by his disciples to show them the Father, he, said, he says, haven't I been with you all this time? If you've seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. And if you want to know what God is like, you've got to get to know his Son. You've got to get to know his Son. Now listen to me. If you want to be a better father, you have to become a better follower of Jesus. And if you want to be a better wife or a better person, you've got to know Jesus better. Simply put, a better son, better daughter, get to know Jesus. My mom would tell you, things changed when her son got saved. The direction of my life changed. And so 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, Dear friends, let us... Love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and does what? Help me out, somebody. And does what? Everyone who loves has been born of God and does what? And knows God. Whoever does not love, help me, does not know God. Because God is love. And so the divorce isn't just about a lack of love. It's about a lack of the knowledge of God who is love. It's about not knowing what he says about the subject. That no, you don't have a right to hold on to all that nonsense in your heart. No, you don't. Stop calling it love. I love you, but you're rude and you're irritable and you're nasty. That's not love. Secondly, families are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge about marriage. The fact that not only is it a good idea, it's a God idea, but if I were to ask you what's the primary purpose of marriage, I'd get some good and varied responses. Someone would say companionship. Marriage is about finding, finding my soulmate, the, the yin to my yang. And there's some truth to that. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. Somebody else would say, well, I think marriage is about reproduction purposes. Doesn't it say be fruitful and multiply somewhere, Pastor Rick? Well, those of us with multiple kids and grandkids, we've been doing our part. 
in that area. And those, those answers are in part true, but that's not the whole truth. Matthew 19 gives, gives and, and reveals to us the real purpose of marriage. Are you ready? Matthew 19, 3 says, Some Pharisees came to him to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that, a, that at the beginning, Jesus speaking, the creator, the creator, the creator made them male and female. Side note, turn to someone and say, just two. So that's what happens when you get off the standard of God's word and God says, okay, I let them follow their own foolish ideas. They'll, they'll listen to each other. There's 46 different genders. You can pick your own. You big dummy. There's just two. Only ever been just two. But you got doctors and PhDs espousing foolishness because they've got off the standard of God's word. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So Jesus was like, you want to talk about divorce? Let's talk about, let's talk about marriage. And look at how he prefaces his comments. He says, have you not read? In other words, Mr. So-called Scholars of the Faith, if, if you're just taking the time to open your Bibles and read what it says, you would know what God wants out of marriage. Their ultimate problem was ignorance. They had a lack of knowledge as it related to God's word. And because his, his word reveals that not only is marriage a good idea, it's a God idea. And, it, and, it's, and it, it, it was created in God's wisdom for God's glory. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul quoting Jesus. But then he goes on to say, this is a profound mystery. But what I'm talking about, but I am talking about Christ and the church. In other words, he says, your marriage and my marriage are supposed to reflect God's grace on the earth. And it's supposed to bring glory to God. It's supposed to be a picture of God's grace. When it says it's supposed to be a picture of God's grace, is God kind? Come on, somebody. Is he forgiven? Does he hold records of wrong? Come on, is he rude? Is he, he's full of compassion. He says, that's what love is. And when he put the man and the woman together, he says, that marriage is supposed to be a picture of my grace toward this world and bring glory to me. In fact, listen to me, the universal answer to all those things is all of God's creations are supposed to bring glory to God. The stars were created to bring glory to God. The mountains were created to bring glory to God. The cattle and the fish and the birds of the sea are all created to bring glory to him. All of those things God called good when he created them. But there was one species that he created when he said when he created them, they were very good. That was you and I. But the purpose is the same. We were designed and created by God to bring glory to him. And when we take what God has created 
and pervert it, or we treat it as cheap and dispensable, we dishonor God. Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. The marriage bed. Pastor Rick, I'm married, I'm married to them in my heart. What's wrong with friends with benefits? Folks, if you keep going outside of God's word, you are going to experience, if you belong to him, well, God says, I discipline those I love. And you'll find yourself in an area of confusion because at some point, sometimes God will say, you want to do things your way? Okay. Uh, Pastor Chan says, and then you end up listening to the most important voice in your head now is, the professional football player who can throw a football. What does he think about this? Or the girl who on social media has all these, you know, uh, surgeries. Her opinion matters. Hollywood's opinion matters. Everyone else's opinion matters over what the word of God. Oh, your friends. Your friends. The internet matters over what God says. And the Bible says that's the judgment of God. You want to do things your way? I'm going to let you guys come up with your own answers. So not only does a lack of knowledge about God and marriage hurt our homes, a lack of knowledge affects our parenting. So it's about our parenting. Now that can do some serious damage. Again, if you ask people what their goals for the children are, they will tell you, my goal is to raise good kids. And, and I'm saying if that's the end all and be all of the desires for your children, you have aimed low and you've missed the desired target of what God wants for you as your number one responsibility as parents on this earth. In fact, if, a few years ago, I was at a, a beautiful memorial service in which the children came forward to pay tribute to what was clearly a loving uh, and hands-on father who passed away too early. And they all said similar things, you, the, the things you would expect. I love my dad. He taught me to do many things. He taught me to be respectful, a, a, a person of my word. He taught me to hunt and to fish and to shoot. And one person said, and he taught me how to play poker, <laughs> which, which got a lot of laughs as well as more tears. But as the preacher in the room, I usually have to go up last but one thing I noticed was it was strangely absent of what the Bible says our ultimate job as parents were to be. Matter of fact, do we have any men in the room? Men, can you read this out loud with me? Malachi 2.15. One, two, three, go. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard yourself, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Ladies, it's going to be your turn. We're going to read yours out of the message. Same chapter, same verse. 
Malachi 2.15, 1, 2, 3, go. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So God, the spirit of marriage within you, don't cheat on your spouse. Is that clear? And so the prophet Malachi, speaking by the spirit of the Lord, he reveals the will of the Lord concerning marriage. And he says one of the primary purposes is for you and I to raise godly children. That's to say it's our job to point them to Jesus. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7 says this, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Give them inside of you and then get them inside your who? Get them inside where? Your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. You see, it's more than just raising good kids to have good jobs and to be good cheerleaders or good at soccer or playing basketball or hunting or fishing. None of those things are bad in and of itself, but if that's all you've done, you are falling way short of what God expects from you and from me as parents and grandparents. Because if if that's all you've emphasized in your house, in one generation, say one generation, you would have raised godless children. Children who lack wisdom and knowledge because you didn't prioritize it as the priest in your home to pass on the information to what God expects. And that generation is in danger of having home wrecks of their own because it becomes cyclical. Does that make sense? And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Is it enough just to hear it? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, turn to someone, say, pay attention, he's talking to you. Turn to someone else, he's talking to me too, he's talking to me too. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, Jesus speaking, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And that house fell with a great crash, wrecking ball. And the difference between the wise and the foolish was the foundation of the knowledge of God's word. If you heard what I say 
and you did what I said. And there are those who hear what he says and they do what they say, what he says. And the Bible says you're wise before God. The world might consider you a fool for prioritizing the things of God, not doing stupid stuff and believing all foolishness. But I'd rather be a fool in the eyes of the world than a fool in the eyes of God. Two sets of people, the difference between the wise and the foolish was one heard the word, put it into practice, and the other heard the word. They both heard the word and refused to put it into practice. Our job is simple. We can and should teach our kids about the necessities of life, but in the process of teaching them, don't forget to teach them about God. Don't forget to teach them that God has standards. We're living in a world where the judgment of God is reflected in this. I'm just going to let them do what they want. They're going to listen to their friends. One person told me, isn't this the generation where they were eating Tide Pods? Right? They like, wasn't that a Tide Pod challenge? And the young people were swallowing. <laughs> Tide Pods are, are soap. You know, the stuff that you put in for the thing is a Tide Pod challenge. And they were doing it. And that's whose opinion you're taking over the word of God. Stupid. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The question is, are you bringing your kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Or more important at this point, does the Lord know you? We spend a lot of time discussing God's grace and his mercy and his love. We don't spend nearly enough time talking and reflecting about God's standards. He has them. He has them. And when the youth of today can more easily name 10 video games or Hollywood socialized influencers or football teams, and you've heard me say this, then they can, they can tell you what the Ten Commandments are. You know we have a problem in the land. And my heart, because the Bible says there's going to come a time when they're not going to be able to listen anymore to sound teaching because it's going to go against everything else that their friends and society is telling them. They're going to mass leaders who's going to tell them what they want. And I'm going to call them entertainment churches. They're going to be going to the entertainment churches, you know, and they're going to be doing, just don't say nothing too hard. My job, my goal, 
what I do, I do it for an audience of one. What I want to hear from the Lord, when I breathe my last, and we're all going to breathe our last at some point on this earth, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, what have you done? Why didn't you tell them what I, to- what I, what I said to tell them? And I would rather be a fool in the eyes of men than a fool in the eyes of God. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and my people perish for lack of knowledge. Don't let that be you and your family. And it starts with you saying, I need to get to know the Lord. I want Jesus in my life. I want to prioritize who he is and elevate his word so that as the priests in my homes, I'm not negligent to whom God has brought into my life. My responsibility is not just to teach him how to fix a car or to take them to soccer games. That's not, it it doesn't end there. My responsibility before the Lord is to raise godly children. That means children who know their God. So it starts with us. Do you know God or does God know you? Bible makes it clear. This is how you know if you know God. He who has the Son has eternal life. He who does not have the Son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. If you want to get to know God, you have to get to know his Son, Jesus. If I want to be a better father, I've got to become a better follower of Christ. And if you're one that's constantly letting it go in one ear and out the other listen my job is just to be the messenger this is what's going to happen one day one day the Bible says Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead we're all going to stand before God and this is what you want now, no one here is going to be able to say this Lord I didn't know that's why I didn't do it We can't claim ignorance. You know what he's going to do? He's going to bring you right back to this day. He's going to say, what do you mean you didn't know? On such and such a day, you came to church and Pastor Rick told you (laughs) what you needed to know. And your job was to either respond because he says, it's not just those who hear my word, but it's those who do what I say. The difference between the wise and the foolish. Don't be foolish. Listen to what God says and do what he says. So if you're not yet accepted Christ, that's the first step. It'll be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. I ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and create an altar in your heart. How about this? While your head is bowed and every eye is closed you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and you would like to, just slip up your hands. Say, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. 
or if you need to recommit your life to the Lord, just slip up your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see you, brother. I see you. I see you. God sees you. Listen, I don't have to see you online. God sees you. Know that he loves you. He knows you're there. He knows the condition of your heart is for him. Those who've raised their hands, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you in my life. I, I want you in my life. I want to prioritize you in my life. Forgive me for me doing my own thing and going my own way. Forgive me for the things that I've done that have not been pleasing to you. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I believe that he is who he says he is. And that because he died, three days later rose from the dead, I put my faith in him and trust in him that because he lives, I shall live as well. Today, I commit my life to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, with your love. Well, every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're, if you're a father or your mother, husband or wife, and maybe we haven't been as loving as we could be, not love according to what the world says, but love according to what the word says. And just tell him, he's not trying to beat us up. He's really trying to protect us. He doesn't want to say, all right, listen to yourselves. Go do your own thing. <laughs> That's the judgment of God. Say, 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 Lord, help me to be a better husband, better wife, better father, better mother. Help me to accomplish what you want me to accomplish in terms of raising these children that you've given me so that I might present them back to you. Help me by your grace to raise godly children. And I put my kids before you. I put my grandkids before you. Help me, Father, to, to point them to you in every area. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.